So I've gotten more than one message from people saying that the last couple episodes are a bit of a downer or had downers in them. Uh, but, you know, people are worried and that's really nice to get those messages. I'm fine. My family's fine. It's just really normal stuff. I'm locked up in my house. My kids are locked up in my house. Uh, you know, as I sit and think about the future, I have concerns uh, because I'm just a normal guy. Uh, you probably have the exact same concerns. I'm not saying my situation is any better or any worse than anyone else. And weirdly, my situation is better than Cardi B's. Like, I shouldn't be eating cereal. Like, I should be in a restaurant eating sushi. Like, why are we going through this? I don't want to see it. I can weirdly say that I'm doing better than, like, a 28-year-old millionaire because I'm not having a breakdown over cereal. I'm learning how to cook new dishes. I actually spent most of my days trying to find new foods to make for lunch and for dinner. That's one of the things I've been doing to try to make myself a better person during this time. Cardi B, apparently not. I don't know why it makes me so happy. Her having problems should not make me happy. But uh, someone asked me like what I'm doing since I'm not working every day. I have come up with some of the routines... So here's what I did on day two of quarantine. I updated all the passwords on my computer. I looked at Facebook, maybe the first time in history, like actually more than just like looking at a specific message or something someone sent to me. I actually went through a couple, I scrolled the little wheel on my mouse, maybe three, four whole times when I went through Facebook. I bought a pair of sweatpants online. They arrived the next day. I'm actually wearing them right now as we record this. I rotated my car tires. I ordered another pair of sweatpants. I learned four new recipes, and I am trying to make one new recipe every day so that, you know, there's some variety in my diet and I don't sit around eating cereal and crying. <laughs> I've edited a couple small videos. I've started doing yoga with my kids before lunch. So you can see, like, the goal for me here is now to create a new set of habits and patterns that are beneficial. If Cardi B wants to call me and get in on some of that, I would be happy to talk to her. I don't know why I'm so vicious right now. Like, I don't know. I'm taking such pleasure. This is such schadenfreude about the fact... I think it's because she has so much more money than me and yet seems so much more miserable. I am taking a sick amount of pleasure in that, as is everyone else, because that was all over the internet. I'm not, you know, someone who knows about Cardi B or pop culture in general, I'm really divorced from it because A, I'm old, and B, I don't live in North America anymore. So that makes it really hard for me to sort of stay up on things. There are a whole phenomenon that I've missed. I've actually talked about that maybe two or three times now on the podcast. 
whole things that I've just missed. Like they happened and they, they got really big and went away and everyone knows about them. All the people who join my company who come to Japan, they all know the same things and they're always shocked that I don't know. I've never heard of this. And I was like, but actually it never happened here. The whole world must be taking the same sort of pleasure in Cardi B eating cereal as I am because it has just been everywhere. I've seen it like five times. We're looking for the positives. The positives are if you're sitting around listening to this and you've tried to do something to make your day better, you're doing better than Cardi B. The other piece of good news as a result of coronavirus is pandas fucking. And that's way bigger than you think. Like I actually have listened to a couple comedy routines. We're talking about how pandas are basically garbage animals because they they only can produce babies like once every seven years. And if they miss like this incredibly small window, they don't produce a child and they only have one baby at a time. So they're essentially designed to go extinct. Uh, they fail on the most basic front of reproduction. And then there's, you know, the food they eat is very limited and stuff like that. It always makes it very hard for them to survive. Uh, it turns out that in one of the zoos in Hong Kong, for the last 10 years, they've been trying to get these two pandas just like bang down, like just, just lay some pipe, you know, get, get some plumbing work done. Uh, and they haven't been. Uh, perhaps it's because they've had massive crowds watching them all day and that's really stressful. Now, no one thought of that until the crowds went away and these two pandas started sniffing around each other, and now they're knocking them out. They're, they're doing panda stuff. They're, they're panda partying. Um, so that is one of the huge benefits, is, is pandas may not go extinct, but what we have learned is if you stare at animals too much or for too long, they don't fa. They don't fa at all. Maybe we should all look at Cardi B more? That's punishment on our part. So let's just not do that. Good coronavirus news. We're going to have more pandas. Uh, I got another message uh, directly connected to the last episode. And the question is, why do you talk about porn so much? You know, honestly, it's a fair question. I do roll around to porn quite often, quite regularly. A lot of my talks do end up in the porn area. I don't actually get pornographic in my conversation, but I talk about pornography as a phenomenon very regularly and so so the reason uh i linked all those stories together is because they all did kind of end up with me talking about porn i do try to do weird thematic things with the episodes sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't there is often a theme in there somewhere that you're probably not realizing because it's only interesting or funny to me i don't think i consume any more porn than the average person and certainly the porn I look at the most would be like someone sends me something that's weird or funny, not because it's actually like titillating or exciting. So I don't know. Again, I don't, there's no way to measure. Like, do I consume more or less than other people? I mean, yes, I look at it. If people send it to me, I'm not shocked by it. I mean, there's been enough of a saturation at this point. It's not a big surprise. But porn trends and statistics about porn. So if you listen to this podcast for any amount of time, you know I'm really into statistics. If you listen to Ninja News Japan, you will... There are a couple whole episodes, 20, 30-minute episodes, about primarily nothing but statistics. I find statistics really entertaining. And Pornhub releases some of the most entertaining statistics you can get because it's like conservative places look at the weirdest porn and uh, the most liberal places actually look at the most bland stuff. What I see pornography is, is a weird litmus test for where society is and where it's going. Because what pornography tries to do more than anything else 
is, is push taboos. So it looks for a taboo and it tries to push beyond that and then see if it can make that almost the norm. So when I was young, well, there was no internet, first of all, but the best you could get was a nudie magazine. And the nudie magazine, basically, all the women had normal pubic hair. It was unshaven. And then in the 80s, you got the landing strip. And then now it's basically shaved all the time, 24-7. There have been other trends. And the most recent one that everyone's making fun of is the stepbrother, stepsister trend. I've seen a bunch of comedy routines on it. It's become that common. And the question is, why has that become so common? It's because there are only so many taboos actually left to push. So I actually grew up when anal sex in pornography would have been unusual. It's a thing you would not have seen. And now I would say it's probably common. Now, I didn't do any research recently. I didn't go and be like, well, let's just watch two hours of pornography. Again, I'm in my house with my kids, so I'm not doing that kind of stuff. The reason I think the stepsister, stepbrother thing has come up is because it is a new kind of taboo. So it's incest, but it's not incest. So because they're not blood relatives, it is acceptable. Because they're living in the house, the same house, and they're supposed to be brother and sister, there, there is a taboo there that they're breaking. And so now I'm actually seeing this as a desperate attempt for pornography to stay relevant, to maintain some kind of taboo. And that's actually what they're going to have trouble with going forward because they violated every aspect of the human body that they can. Uh, anything you can think of probably has been done. There's all the weird fetishes and stuff, all the things that you wouldn't think of that you suddenly see it for the first time. You're like, holy, I didn't even know people could bend that way. or I didn't know you could do it in that way and it would work. I didn't know you could hang people from the ceiling in that manner. These are all things that can have and, and do happen. But we're getting to the sort of upper limits of what human beings can come almost endure. So now they have to go with mental taboos. And the mental taboos are much harder to create and then break because you actually do actual incest. I mean, most places that's actually illegal. So you'd get in, in trouble to a degree. Is it? I think it is. I'll have to check if it's illegal or not. Okay, so you didn't hear the pause where I just went off and actually did a search of is incest legal in the United States? My search searches do make me look really bad. It takes you to the Wikipedia page. Great. So I can just read you the first sentence. In all but two states, and a special case in Ohio which targets only parental figures, incest is criminalized between consenting adults. In New Jersey and Rhode Island, incest between consenting adults is not a criminal offense. Although marriage is not allowed in either state. So there you go. Basically, yes, incest is illegal in the United States. Why do I say specifically the United States? It's because that is where most pornography that you see is produced. That's really the only reason I would have chosen it. So what I find most interesting about pornography as a concept, not as like an actual vehicle or of entertainment, is that it is attempting to try to push the boundaries of society all the time, and it seems to be having less success with that as society becomes so broad. So now, I mean, pornography is available on your phone all the time, and who cares? Like, we've actually gotten to the point where caring about it would be weirder than not caring about it. And you see something weird on the internet, you share it with your friends instantly and all your friends see it. Whereas maybe when I was a kid, I had to describe it to my friends. That would have been the closest thing. And they'd be like, nah, he's making that up. Why do I talk about it so much? Because it's endlessly fascinating and it kind of shows us where we're going as a society. 
because I'm wondering after this stepsister, stepbrother thing kind of wears out, because it is, these are all just like trends. What are they going to do next? And the next thing that they start to focus on is always really interesting to me is a sociological concept more than the actual thing they're doing in, in, in pornography. I realized I stopped caring about pornography once uh, because I was watching a porn. This was when I was single and I was, I was quite lonely at the moment. So, you know, I was, you know, looking for actual pornography for the reason it's produced. And I realized I'd kind of gotten over pornography as a thing when I realized that the guy was wearing the same watch as me. And then I realized that I'm not focusing on the activity the two people are partaking in. I was actually looking at the background and then I noticed he was still wearing his watch. And then I actually recognized the watch and I was like, hey, that guy's got a Tissot on. That's pretty nice. <laughs> so, you know, you, you pornography has become so blasé when you actually start to notice other aspects of the pornography, when you actually start to look at it and go, hey, nice watch, man. Quora question, what is the best business to start during the coronavirus hype? So the actual question here really is how can I profit off a pandemic, uh, which is disgusting because what they're saying is in, in the times when humans are most vulnerable, is there a way that I can profit off that? And of course, there are a lot of people and that's how they think. Like there's an opportunity here in these dire times to profit. But what would, let's take the question uh, seriously. The best business to start would be one that actually helps other people. So producing masks. But of course, the real problem there is those materials are already taken up and those companies are already at max production and you can't get in there. So the best business to start would be something that actually helps other people. Uh, the interesting thing is the coronavirus hype. It was the word hype that actually drew me to this question more than anything else. And it's because it's not hype. We can see right now, again, I'm in lockdown with my family. Uh, that's not hype. That is a real thing. So the best business you could start during the coronavirus hype would actually be differentiating real information from the actual hype. Now, I know that's not the answer this person wanted because this is a bad person. But if you were a good person and you wanted to start a business, the business you could start right now would be like fact-checking, verifying information, and getting the most up-to-date and accurate information out to people so they would know what they can and should do to take care of themselves during a global pandemic. Okay, Quora question. What makes you uneasy about living in Japan? Now, this was pre-coronavirus pandemic. Uh, now that this is on, what makes me nervous is the underreporting and not actually knowing what's going on in the country because it's very difficult to trust the government. Now, I had a little bit of faith at the beginning that the doctors and stuff were doing their best. And it did seem to be working for a while, but now there's been sort of a, an uptick in cases and it's just a delayed effect of them not really doing enough and people not taking it seriously. So that makes me uneasy, but that's not what this question was asking. I think it was asking about long-term living in Japan. What makes you nervous or uneasy as a non-Japanese person? And the number one thing for me is actually the pension system because the pension system is already noted as something that's probably going to collapse. There are more older people than younger people. One of the things uh, last year was that less than a million babies were born in Japan. So Japan is facing a massive population decline and a pension system that can't support the amount of old people that already live in Japan. Now, I have worked in Japan for almost 20 years. So I'm in a situation where I can see where my pension should start kicking in, where I should actually start getting money. 
And there is sort of a passive racism that exists in Japan as a country where it's very much like Trump says America first and then, you know, other people are less important. Now, that's very blatant. Well, I actually think a lot of Japanese people actually feel that way as well. So it should be Japan and Japanese people first. And then if you're a foreigner, even if you live in Japan your whole life, and you pay taxes and you do everything you're supposed to do as a good Japanese citizen, you are still secondary to any Japanese person when it comes to actually getting, you know, payouts from the government, getting your pension system. So when the pension system starts to collapse, one of my biggest concerns, one of the things that makes me most uneasy about living in Japan is they're actually going to not give it to me. So I've paid into this system my whole life. They've taken money out of my paycheck. And I, again, very liberal Canadian person, actually agree with social systems. I think they're in place and they're successful in general for a reason. So I don't mind paying high taxes. I don't mind paying my pension. I don't mind paying all this money because the expectation is that I get it back in some way in the future. But when it comes to government policies in Japan, there are a lot of people who think Japan first, Japanese people first, permanent residents would be second-class citizens. And so that makes me uneasy because that means should I have to actually fight to get, let's just say I don't even want to get a pension proper. I just want to get the money I paid into back because I paid in that money. I would have to take on the whole Japanese government, which is unfeasible. It's probably not going to work out. Now, one of the benefits is Japan as a society is very rule-oriented. So they set these rules in place and they've put into their constitution about, you know, not being discriminatory in any way, which means when it comes down to that actual fight, there would be a very good chance for me to win because if I could demonstrate a form of discrimination, you are essentially automatically on the winning side of that argument. But there are a lot of Japanese people who just do not think of me as being part of society in any real way, and they never will. And that lack of acceptance, that lack of openness puts you in an uneasy position when it comes to your future, if you plan on staying in Japan. So when I retire, which, you know, is going to be quite a bit away, but it's still, the real question is, am I going to stay in Japan? Because it actually seems like it isn't the best idea. Uh, I've had a couple conversations. One is like go to Thailand or Cambodia or another essentially poorer country where my pension would go a lot further. And then there's the idea of going back to Canada, an English-speaking country where it would be much easier for me to navigate sort of legalities, and I would be less worried about any sort of inherent biases I might run into because Canada, again, Canada in general is just a much more liberal country in the way it views people because most people are from somewhere else originally anyways. And I think that's why a lot of people love living in Japan for the short term, but most people who come here have no intention of settling down here forever because sort of deep down inside they know that they're never actually going to be part of Japan. Japan is never going to feel like home. I ended on a downer again. That was unintentional. I am so sorry. Um, we could go back, go back and listen to the porn stuff again. I did not intend for that to happen. It's just the way my notes were arranged. Maybe I'm subconsciously arranging my notes in a negative way so that I end off in a negative note. I am so sorry to anyone listening to this. I am a really happy guy right now. I'm really happy. I'm Everything's going great. I promise next week, no downers. Maybe that's just it for the rest of the podcast. Until we hit episode 200.
It's only like three, four weeks away. How, I'm going to, how about this? I will do my best from now to episode 200, no downers. I haven't actually got a plan. So 200 is a big number. So I was thinking I have to do something special. For 150, I did an all Game of Thrones episode. I remember that. I'm sure I did something for 100. So 200, I have to do something thematically tied together. It may be no downers. It may just be me making fun of Cardi B for 22 minutes. The loss of the loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. Leave a text or voice question or comment at voicelink.fm slash podcast. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast, sexy out homies. It may just be me listening, 